our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in our words, it comes from inside us. And it starts a whole lot sooner than we might like to think. All behavior, everything that we and our children struggle with is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. So we're wise as parents when we learn how to reach past that outward behavior, pull out what's going on in the heart, and then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective. Hello, thank you for joining me today on the Zan Tyler Podcast. Hi, my name is Zan Tyler, and this podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load, or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades in almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. I am so excited to welcome my good friend, Ginger Hubbard, to the Zan Tyler podcast today. In case you don't know, I'm not sure how you might have missed it. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I can't believe you just said that. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. We've had a lot of fun uh, at different homeschooling conferences together. She co-hosts the very popular Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast, and you can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger homeschooled her two children through high school. She has a unique heart for encouraging and supporting families. So welcome today, Ginger. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Zan. It's a pleasure to be on with you. I always love spending time with you uh, doing anything I can. So podcasting or going out to lunch or, or whatever that is, I'm in. I know, isn't it? It's just fun to have friends, and, it uh, and and it's good to see you on the convention trail all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, so, Ginger, as we get started, would you tell us about your homeschooling journey? How you got into homeschooling in the first place? Sure. You know, Zan, I think one of the first reasons I considered homeschooling is because I hated going to school. (laughs) It felt like jail to me, uh, aside from lunch and recess. And of course, you know, as I got older, recess turned into PE. But aside from those things, I was always miserable sitting at a desk all day. And I could not wait for three o'clock because three o'clock meant freedom. Now, I'm sure there are people who, well, I know people who loved going to school for various reasons. And it was a positive experience for them, but uh, I had a lot of negative experiences growing up in the homeschool system. I mean, in the uh, in the regular school system, sorry. Uh, Just a little bit of history. I was in the private 
Christian school system for seven and a half years and then the public school system for six and a half years. And yes, if you do the math, that adds up to 14 years. <laughs> I had a very traumatic experience my fourth grade year, which involved being bullied and uh, sexually assaulted by another student. And I wound up having to repeat that grade because of uh, the things that happened. Mm. And without going into uh, too much detail, my school days also involved negative experiences with teachers who either didn't like me at all or who liked me way too much. And uh, I was on top of that. I was dyslexic, which back then was not something that was easily diagnosed. Yeah, so that's it wasn't, right. It wasn't that much of a thing then. It yeah. really wasn't. And so they didn't know, you know, why I couldn't read very well in fourth grade. But sitting in those reading circles, I always felt like the dumbest kid in the room. And so that led to some pretty deep insecurity. So it was really my negative experience in the school system that began to shape my desire to homeschool my kids. So when did you start homeschooling and what did you have to go through to homeschool at the time? I started out early. Uh, well, I started in kindergarten with mine. They, they actually never went to school. I wound up schooling them all the way through. Do you and, remember what year that was? Oh, well, let's see. Or was no. it I'm in um, the 90s, the early 2000s? Well, let's see. Wesley was born in 93, so that would have been, what, about 97 when he mm -hmm. started mm -hmm. yeah, in kindergarten, so around 97. And uh, we, our church had a homeschool covering. And so in the state of Alabama, you had to be under a homeschool covering and able to be able to homeschool your kids. So, but that was a, a good experience for me because it, you know, put us in fellowship with other homeschooling families. We got right. together a couple of times a month and, and just encouraged each other and talked about what we were doing with our kids, got our kids together to play and do different things, activities and field trips. So it was a positive experience really for me and, and my children to be under a, an umbrella with other homeschooling families. So what did you find to be the best part of homeschooling? If you had it to do all over again or could share it with parents, what did you love the most about it? Well, you know, it's funny uh, because when I first set out to homeschool Zan, my intention, I don't, I don't remember why, but my intention was just to school them at home until I felt like they had this strong foundation in the Lord and were mature enough to stand up to peer pressure and any injustices that they might encounter. But, and this is why I continued to homeschool, uh, because the problem with that plan is that the more I was with my kids, the more I loved being with my kids. So having so much time together as a family is really uh, what kept me homeschooling. And, uh, you know, that's not to say that I didn't need a break now and then and right. that I didn't get tired or frustrated and lose my cool sometimes. Uh, but after spending so much time with my kids day in and day out, it just got to the point that I couldn't imagine not being with my kids. And I also found out that homeschooling didn't mean that I couldn't pursue other interests. You know, that was another reason I thought, well, I'm going to homeschool them for, you know, maybe two or three years, maybe by fourth grade, put them in school so that I could pursue some things that I wanted to do. But I found out that it really wasn't an either or sort of thing. I mean, obviously, I became interested in encouraging moms through writing books and speaking. Well, lo and behold, I was still able to write books and speak and homeschool. Uh, speaking events uh, became field trips for us. And we had a blast together. We got to travel and explore states all over the country and a couple of times even overseas. Uh, my kids... Uh, Definitely didn't do school sitting at a desk at home the traditional way. They did a lot of school work in the car and in hotel rooms and on airplanes and sitting at my booth at homeschool conventions. That's right. And so then, the world was your classroom. It was. And we just loved it. We loved that we had that freedom and that flexibility to do school anywhere and anytime. And so we made the most of that. And Zan, I wouldn't trade those years for anything. And neither would my kids. They 
they're adults now, they're 29 and 25, and they've thanked me several times for homeschooling them. And we just had such a great time and, and have such fond memories of all of those years together. Well, you know, I, I want to go back to something you said, and that was homeschooling didn't keep you from pursuing interests of your own. Now, Caleb, our producer, has five kids under five. So right now, there's not a lot of time to pursue anything but taking <laughs> care of children. But as yep. your kids do grow and get older, it does give you, it, it's counterintuitive. You don't think you would have any time to mm-hmm. yourself but in a in a way with everything you're doing that revolves around your home I mean we ran a, we started and ran a homeschooling organization and lobbied and you've been writing and speaking it's really interesting how that works out isn't it it is you know the lord if if he if you have a desire to do something and it's God's will for you to do it, he's going to make a way for you Mm -hmm. to do it. And uh, so I just found that to be true. And I was still able to do those things. And what the beauty of it is that my kids were a part of those things. Yes. Instead of us having these separate lives where they're in school 40 hours a week and I'm doing my own thing. We did all of those things together as a family. And it was just, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So Ginger, what, led you to write your, what was your first book and what led you to write that first book in the midst of your family life and homeschooling? Yeah, I love that story. I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, I wanted to be the best mom that I could be. So I read every parenting book that I could get my hands on. And my absolute favorite was Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. And that book just, it really formed the backbone of my own parenting because he was so about getting past outward behavior and really addressing the issues of the heart. And so I just loved what I was learning from him. And I guess I've always had that teacher uh, flair about me. It's it's just my makeup. So when I'm learning something, I have that tendency to want to share it with other people. And so I wound up starting a mom's group at my local church with a good friend of mine, and we were going through the principles that we were learning in Shepherding a Child's Heart. And it was funny because we all were felt like that Ted was getting us so excited and so pumped up about reaching the hearts of our kids, but he really wasn't telling us how to do it. He wasn't as practical in application. And so I wound up putting together this little chart. I'm sure some of your listeners are, are familiar with it. It's called Wise Words for Moms. And basically what I did is I just... I, I wrote down, I started out with like five or six behaviors that my kids were struggling with. And I came up with a three-step plan based on the principles that I was learning in Ted's book for how to address those issues, uh, just by asking them heart-probing questions and then going to the scriptures for what they should put off and what they should put on. So this simple little plan I came up with, and I took that chart to my mom's group and shared it with them, and they just loved it. And then they started saying, "Well, well, what about tattling? Well, what about whining? Well, what about disrespecting? And so before I knew it, I had 22 different behaviors on that little chart. It started spreading through our community, started spreading outside of our community. And then I found out that Ted was the pastor of a church in Pennsylvania. And so I just kind of on a whim sent him a thank you note along with my chart, which back then it wasn't published. I mean, I I remember it was a type did it on a typewriter and just ran it off and stapled it together. <laughs> right. And so I, I I mailed a copy of that to Ted with a thank you note and told him that his book had really inspired me to put together um, this practical application of what I was learning from him. Well, the next thing I know, his son calls me 
and uh, he he runs uh, Shepherd Press Publishing, which is the publisher of Shepherding a Child's Heart. I didn't know that. And his son calls me and says, hey, this is what my dad has been looking for. Everywhere he speaks, he has uh, moms and dad ask him, how do I apply this in practical ways? And so he said, we want to publish this. So they published it, and uh, I started getting calls everywhere Ted would speak. Uh, I started getting calls from those areas where he would take that chart with him from churches and homeschool conventions asking me to come speak. So all of a sudden, this national speaking ministry was launched. And, and you know, I think about that verse that says that when, uh, I think it's in Luke, that says when we are, uh, when we're faithful in the little things, you know, God enables us to do more things. And so all of that just fell into my lap. So after I'd been speaking for maybe two years, I decided, you know, all of this material that I'm speaking on could really be adapted into a book. And so I wound up uh, meeting with with Ted Tripp in Montgomery. He was keynoting at our Alabama State Homeschool Convention. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember Zan being so intimidated to meet with him. I mean, this is my parenting hero. I mean, I was fangirling it all the way. And (laughs) Uh, when we met, I, I had typed out this little proposal for my book. I had no idea what I was doing. And he, he was looking at it. And he, I remember he was eating a cheeseburger and French fries. And I was, you know, giving him my spill about this book and really intimidated to even meet with him. And after I finished my spill, Zan, he slid that proposal back across the table at me. And he said, you know, I think it's a good idea, but I think you're too young to write a parenting book. Call me in 10 years. And when he said that, because, you know, God, when he gives us a passion to do something, we can't just ignore Turn that passion. Turn it off. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So even though I was, when he said that, all the intimidation left me. And I said, well, I don't know how old you think I am. I said, but I'm 33. I said, I believe that's about the same age Jesus was when he started his ministry. I said, and Paul told Timothy not to be discouraged because of his age. (laughs) It just came out of me. (laughs) And so he just grinned from ear to ear and pulled that proposal back over to him. And then uh, I guess about 18 months later, uh, don't make me count to three, which has been my best-selling parenting book came out. So that's how it all got started, just with this small mom's group of wanting us to encourage one another. And then it it launched into a much bigger ministry. You know, that is so amazing. And I really hope that that story, we're going to talk about the book in a minute. And so that just gives a lot of heart and soul to the book. But I hope that story en- encourages moms and the homeschooling dads that are out there. I worked for, um, throughout my career, I've worked with two different publishing houses. And one was in Nashville. And I would always have um, women ask me, how do I write a book? And I think it's the idea you have, uh, committing your plans to the Lord and then just trusting he will do it. It's a lot of work, as you know, to write a book. Everybody says I have a book in me, but it's the getting the book out on paper or your your laptop that counts. But that's just such a, a great story of God's providence and leading you. And now just to get back to you, all those people out there who have book ideas, self-publishing and blogs and podcasts, cast or a great way to get your message out before you have mm-hmm. a book. So mm-hmm. just just don't let those dreams die. So, okay, Ginger, but thank you so much. That's so encouraging. So let's talk for just a minute about your books. So there's so many parenting books out there. What sets your books apart? Why do you think people have responded so well to your message? 
Well, Zan, as I've spoken all over the country, I have listened to parents express their heartache over their inability to tame the tongues of their children. And they just kept telling me that they had read the books, they had tried the advice, but just remain frustrated because it just seemed like nothing was working. And so in my book, I can't believe you just said that. What I've tried to do there is expose some of the faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart. Um, And then I wanted to equip parents with biblical principles and provide them with, I guess, sort of a toolbox full of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in practical ways. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of books available that focus on what the Bible says about parenting, and a lot of them are full of scripture that are that are helpful in parenting. But I found that few offer the information that, that parents are wanting most, which is how to practically apply those scriptures to those tongue-related struggles that our children face in everyday lives. So that's what I wanted to do, was help parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle verbal offenses like whining and lying and tattling and disrespecting and all those verbal things that I could think of and uh, help them move into a confident and well-balanced approach to raising their kids. So Ginger, you've spoken before um, for us at our online event that we have at uh, BJU Press Homeschool every year. And you shared so many practical things in the session you did for us. Would you just pick out one area like tattling or whining and give an example of how you say to handle that in the book? I found it so encouraging. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, how about whining? That's pretty much an epidemic in our country right now. (laughs) It seems that kids are just, I don't know, everywhere I look, there's whining kids. Uh, And, you know, and Alex, my daughter, really struggled with whining more so than Wesley did. So I can relate and sympathize with that annoying verbal offense and uh, with those parents that are having to deal with that. And, uh, you know, we might look, I, I always say that the Bible addresses everything that we need for parenting our kids. And but you might think, well, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about whining. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks about what to do when kids whine. But the Bible does talk about self-control. And if you think about it, whining is an issue of self-control. So when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way or to uh, acquire something that she wanted, I know parents love scenarios. So let's just do a scenario here. Let's say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. So I always like to start out with very simple heart probing questions because that helps our children uh, take ownership for what's going on in their heart, which is going to help them recognize that they are sinners in need of a savior. So I would ask her just a very simple, simple question like, honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? No, sweetheart, you're not. God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. And because I love you so much, I'm going to set the timer for three minutes. And when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way. So you see, I reproved her for whining. I had her suffer the consequence of having to wait three minutes, which can seem like an eternity for a small child. And then most important, I had her come back and ask for juice with self-control. And you see, Zan, that's an issue that is addressed in God's word. All behavior everything that we and our children struggle with is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. So we're wise as parents when we learn how to reach past that outward behavior, pull out what's going on in the heart, and then we're able to address it from a biblical perspective. 
Ginger, that that is so good. So let me ask you this. Will you do one more scenario for us and on tattletailing? Because I yeah. know that's <laughs> also another thing you face constantly. And we right. face it as adults, if we're honest, you know. And so so uh, tell us how you recommend to parents handle that. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you another scenario because parents just love these scenarios. They can picture them in their heads. Yes. Perfect. Um, so I remember Alex also, Wesley really struggled with aggravating. It's, I always feel like I'm picking on Alex because she's usually the one that I'm talking about. <laughs> Wesley struggled with aggravating a lot and Alex struggled with tattling a lot. I, it's, it was so gracious that God gave me a tattler and an aggravator just to balance everything out. And so, but uh, for as far as tattling, I remember one day um, I was in the kitchen and I was busy. I was trying to get supper ready. I was also upset about something on this particular day. I don't remember what was going on, but a little emotional. And uh, we have a creek behind our house and Wesley and Alex knew that they were not allowed to be playing in the creek without my permission. So I'm in the kitchen trying to cook supper, uh, emotional about something. And Alex comes running into the house and she said, mom, you said that we're not allowed to be in the creek and Wesley is down there catching tadpoles in it. Now, Alex is my dramatic child. She actually has a degree in theater. So she's an actress now, which I love that because all this drama is finally paid <laughs> off. She's making a living being, being dramatic now. And so, but because she was such a dramatic child, you could always tell she had so much expression. You could always tell exactly what she was thinking just by the look on her face and, right. and her, body, her body language. And so I could tell that she was totally thinking, so what are you going to do about it? And can I watch? So now, Zan, because I, I do have a lot going on right now, I'm busy, I'm emotional. Those are the times in my parenting life that I would find myself not relying on God's word and God's wisdom, but my own when I was in those heat of the moment times. Right. And that was never beneficial for me or my children. So I kept my little wise words for mom's chart. I just punched a hole in it. It's like in the shape of a calendar. So I punched a hole in the top of mine. I had it hanging in my kitchen because I spent so much of my life in the kitchen. That was just right. a, yes. a good spot to have it. And so because I had that quick reference chart right at my fingertips, it enabled me on this occasion to address it uh, from a heart-oriented biblical perspective instead of how I normally would in the heat of the moment. Um, sometimes I think we respond badly uh, just because of the circumstances, maybe what's going on around us, or, or sometimes maybe even because we don't know how to respond. So out of frustration, we lash out in anger, we just send them to their rooms, and we behave in ways that we're trying to encourage them to not behave. <laughs> and right, so, right. And so, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to grab my chart because to look at what verse um, I use for tattling, and then I'll tell you how you can walk them through tattling. Oh, that's so perfect. Let me grab that. Perfect. Okay. Okay. All right. So. I would flip to tattling and I would ask her, uh, I always, I always like to offer like two or three suggested heart probing questions. So I would say something like Alex, honey, and this is written in the chart. Could it be that you are delighting in getting your brother in trouble? And that I might ask, cause we can't judge the motives of their heart, but we can ask them questions to help them evaluate the motives of their heart. Okay. And then I might say, and then I might say something like, honey, rather than tattling, how could you have spurred Wesley on toward what's right? And so okay, all, all right, let's go back just a minute. Okay. So if yeah. she says yes, I mean, if you can tell she is delighting in getting him in trouble. Yep. What What do you say then? 
Well, and that's exactly what happened because I could tell that she was delighting in getting. When I asked her that question, she looked as if she were considering, "Am I delighting in getting him in trouble?" And she was leaning toward the yes end of it. Yeah. And so on the chart, it says that we are to put off tailbearing, or as we uh, call it today, tattletailing. And so I reminded her as far as what to put off. Uh, there's a verse in let's see, it's, it's Proverbs seventeen five, and that verse says, "He who rejoices in calamity." will not go unpunished. Now, calamity is a big word, and she's about five. She's a little girl, so that's too big of a word for her. So I'm going to word it very simply for her. I'm going to say something like, honey, if you are delighting or if you're taking joy and getting your brother in trouble, then you're going to get in trouble because, sweetheart, that's not right for you to take joy in seeing your brother get in trouble. And so there you've got the heart probing questions and you've got what to put off, which is tail bearing. And then you move to step three, which is what to put on. And if we, we want to encourage our children to encourage one another. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says that we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So I want to teach her instead of coming and tattling, what could you have said to spur him on? And then help her think through some things that she might could have said to spur him on. And then we want to, have them uh, walk through that, actually put into practice the things that we're teaching them verbally. So in your book, and I'm thinking this is Don't Make Me Count to Three, you always give, you you walk through all of these different issues and give that same three prong um, Mm -hmm. steps for dealing with it, right? Right. So, so tell me, just so parents will know, because this is so enlightening, Ginger, and it's so encouraging, because these are the little foxes in the vineyard that can just spoil your day, mm-hmm. is when people's tongues get out of control, mm-hmm. and it becomes this vicious cycle. So yep. if you can break that cycle, that's pretty amazing. Tell me some of the other things you deal with in your book besides the tattletaling and the whining. Uh, well, probably the most common is just flat out disobeying, especially when they're little. That's the first thing that we really want them to begin to understand the importance of obeying mom and dad, because God has commanded children to obey their parents and God has commanded parents to require that obedience, uh, for a number of reasons, one of them being for safety reasons. And so, uh, you know, again, you just, you start out with even, even the really young child that's three years old, you know, just say that you tell your three-year-old to come to you and he stubbornly refuses to obey. Uh, Just simple heart probing questions. Honey, did you obey or did you disobey? And I know there's some people, again, that helps them to take ownership for what's going on in their heart, even at a very young age. And I know some people say, well, you don't know my three-year-old. He's stubborn. That might've worked with your kid, but it wouldn't work with mine. He would just clam up and not answer. Well, for that, I would encourage, don't get into a power struggle. If you ask that question, sweetheart, did you obey or did you disobey? If they clam up and they don't answer, just go ahead and answer for them. Just say, honey, you disobeyed. I told you to come to me and you didn't. And that's disobeying. And so for direct disobedience in our home, there was always a consequence. And before I administered that consequence, I always told my kids, they heard this a million times, Zan, sweetheart, I love you too much to allow you to disobey. I want to teach you to live wisely, but you're living foolishly. And so that way, when I would, you know, say that I love them too much to allow them to live that way, that let them know that it is love that motivates me uh, to discipline my kids because I want what's best for them. Wow. Okay. That's, that is so powerful, Ginger. And walking through all those different scenarios, just 
Amazing. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, when you, you write in your book that some parents ask, ask, why do they act like that? You say that's the wrong question to ask. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and, you know, and I asked that. I remember when my kids were little, um, I would just be like so many parents, I would just be shocked, you know, by some of the things that would come out of their <laughs> mouths, uh, whether it was whining or lying or talking back or, or whatever. Some of these issues we're even talking about today, I would typically uh, ask that question or be tempted to ask that question. Why do you act like that? But after a closer look at the word of God, Zan, I realized that I was asking the wrong question. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. <laughs> our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in our words, it comes from inside us. And it starts a whole lot sooner than we might like to think. King right. David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So when parents truly begin to grasp just the origin of sin and the total depravity of our human race in general, we no longer have to question why our children sin. So I slowly learned to quit asking, why does my child sin? And instead, I begin to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner just like me in need of a savior? How might I help him understand and live in that transformational power of Christ? Oh, man, Ginger, that is so encouraging and so powerful. All right, let me ask you this. What elements of ineffective discipline should parents avoid? Um, well, I think, you know, when children speak offensively, parents often respond, if you think about it, in, in one or two ways. We have this tendency to either ignore the child just hoping that he'll outgrow it, mm -hmm. or we administer some sort of consequence, hoping to, as we hear people say, put the fear of God in our kids. But really, both of those methods are ineffective because they fail to train and instruct. I mean, yes, sure, there are occasions when ignoring our kids may seem more convenient for us because, after all, it does take time to train our children in the ways that they should go. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance, that's really to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. And then on the other hand, consequences for wrong behavior have their place, but they're not a substitute for training and instructing. Administering consequences without following through with righteous training, that really only teaches our kids one thing, that there are consequences for sin. And yeah, that's an important lesson, but an even greater lesson is to help them understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God. And, and bring him the glory he deserves. So we need to keep in mind that our purpose, our whole purpose in disciplining our children is to not merely teach them to avoid consequences, but to train and instruct and encourage and equip them to honor God with their lives. G Ginger, that is just so powerful. As my um, husband's granddaddy used to say, that dog hunts. <laughs> <laughs> I love those Southern sayings. I have quite a few myself. <laughs> I used to use them sometimes on podcasts and I could, you could tell people like, well, what is she talking what is she about? Talking about? 
<laughs> Sometimes you just can't hide Southern, though. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tried to get rid of my Southern accent once. It didn't go well, so no. I just quit trying. Um, <laughs> so, so I've got a just another question for you, um, and that is, well, not even a question, just a statement and a thank you, because you remind me of the fact that homeschooling is certainly about teaching our kids well academically. But underneath that lies the fact that it's about educating our child's hearts and teaching mm -hmm. our children's hearts. And, you know, I do a workshop called Homeschooling is Kingdom Building. Mm -hmm. And if I could, you have reminded moms in such a real way today that nurturing is kingdom building work. When Jesus had his last conversation with Peter, it was, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. That was Jesus's last personal challenge to Peter, and it was to nurture the flock he had been given. Mm -hmm. And I just see that all over you, that you are so about nurturing and uh, loving our children, that character development. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want to thank you for that reminder. I don't want to eat up your time, but boy, I was just thinking about that the whole time that homeschooling is so multifaceted and that character development and that heart development is mm -hmm. such an important underpinning part of that. It is. And, and, you know, circling back around to you asking me in the beginning about what, you know, shaped my homeschooling journey. Um, I thought about something else, you know, I knew that other than God himself, no one loves my kids more than I do. Mm. And as they were growing up, no one was more concerned about shaping their character than me. No one cared about their education as much as I did. No one, no one wanted them to love Jesus or wanted to nurture their interest and thrive in life more than I did. So basically I knew that there was no one who wanted what was best for my children more than me. And so that made me the best person to raise and educate my kids. That is so true. I can remember um, when we first started homeschooling and everybody was giving me all the reasons I was going to ruin my kids for homeschooling. <laughs> I would wake up every morning at two o'clock in the morning and I'd tell Joe everything that everybody had said to me. He was my best friend. I knew he wanted to participate mm -hmm. in this conversation. Finally, one night he said, saying, Jesus is always awake. You need to take these things. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go to sleep. Sam. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, re it just reminds me that I was a good student in school, but I'm fairly certain no teacher ever stayed uh, awake at night crying mm -hmm. over my need for character development or crying over the fact that I couldn't get an algebra concept. And so when you say we love our kids like that, that is so powerful. Sometimes we think we worry and we cry because we're not doing a very good job. I think we we cry and we fret, which sometimes is not a good thing. But but we want, we love our children. And that's where all those strong emotions come from. Mm -hmm. That's right. No one loves our children as much as we do, apart from God. Yeah, so no one is better equipped to raise them and educate them. Amen. Well, listen, as we close, oh my goodness, I just want to thank you again for being with me, Ginger, because your advice is so encouraging and so spot on and can really change the course of people's days. Um, tell us how people can get hold of you and find you. 
Okay. Well, I'm pretty easy to find uh, through my website, which is just gingerhubbard.com. Uh, I love to encourage people daily in, in their parenting journey on Instagram, so they can find me there at ginger.hubbard. But, Zan, my favorite way to encourage parents is with through my podcast, which is Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. You can uh, listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. And it's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to do exactly what we've talked about on your show today, Zan, to reach beyond that outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. Mm. And then from a practical standpoint, uh, my host, Katie Morgan, and I, we are super passionate about helping parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance and all of the things that children struggle with and uh, just into that confident and biblical, heart-oriented, well-balanced approach to raising their kids. Well, that is so powerful, Ginger. I love your podcast. I've guested with you on your um, podcast, and I'm so encouraged by your ministry. And thank you so much for being here with us today. It has been such a blessing. Thank you, Zan. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at zantyler.com. Until next time, see you later.